Amen. Like Brother Ronald, I thank the Lord for your zealous uh, singing this morning and offering up praises unto our Maker. That is certainly um, what we are called to do in this life is to give praise unto God. He chose us to the praise of the glory of His grace. So that must mean that there's a purpose for the child of God here in this life is that we will uh, give glory unto our Heavenly Father to the praise of the glory of His grace. I want to turn your attention, and I appreciate you uh, welcoming us so lovingly this morning and, and having us. We're looking forward to hoping to be here with you today. Exodus chapter 12, I'm going to go ahead and finish my, my sentence there, but please turn with us, if you would, to Exodus chapter 12. Um, like Brother Ronald said, we were up in the Cincinnati area for a, a wedding in North Kentucky and um, looking at options of where we could come to church this weekend, this day, and... Uh, uh, trying to pray about that. I think we ought to seek the Lord's guidance in every decision that we make and seek the Lord in prayer and felt like the Lord was in it to try to come be here with you and um, never been here before. I've known Brother Ronald for a long time but never been here and we're glad to, to end that streak and, and be with the saints here in, in uh, the Nashville area. So Exodus chapter 12, there's a familiar story about God instituting the Passover and as we, I want to look at this just very briefly and then um, use that as a jumping off point to look at a New Testament character. Now you might think that that New Testament character would be the Lord Jesus because the Bible tells us very plainly that for Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us and he is our Passover. And we're always to preach the Lord Jesus Christ to the people of God. Paul said, I came among you knowing nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I trust that's the foundation of what we're going to try to bring before you this morning. But I want to uh, look at Exodus chapter 12 and go to a different New Testament character. And uh, please be praying that the Lord will be in this. In Exodus chapter 12, I'm going to read a few verses and paraphrase some others if you would. But in Exodus 12:3, and this is as God is leading his people out of Egypt. Egypt is a representation of the world in, in the Bible of the world. And he's leading them out of Egypt and eventually to the promised land. Well, he says in verse 3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month shall ye take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Does that sound familiar? That's the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Without blemish. Let your lamb be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, there's already a lot of things that we could point to that look like the Lord Jesus Christ in that, right? And while the Jews of Jesus' day were trying to kill him or wanted to kill him, um, I counted one time about 12 times that they wanted to kill the Lord Jesus. That's a rough number. It's not an, necessarily an accurate number. You might think, well, that's not very hard to count, is it? Well, there's times where the Bible says that they sought to kill him. They sought the more to kill him. You know, do you count that as two? Do you count that as one? You know, I don't know. So I came up with about 12 times that they wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ and about the 12th one when they finally did put him to the cross. So while they denied over and over again that he was a fulfillment of prophecy, they denied over and over again that he was the Messiah, they didn't like him calling himself equal with God. They said, this man hath spoken blasphemy. Uh, who can forgive sins but God only? 
So they over and over again denied that he was who he said he was. They denied that he was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Uh, they said, search and see, for no prophet cometh out of Nazareth. Uh, they knew where he lived, but they didn't recognize where he was born, and he was a fulfillment of he that would come from Bethlehem. So over and over again, they tried to deny who he was, deny that he was a fulfillment of prophecy, and then in their anger, uh, they were participating in, contributing to, um, I'm, uh, forbear with me for choosing the wrong word on that probably, but they were participating in the fulfillment of prophecy on the day that he died. They were fulfilling, helping to fulfill this prophecy, and the Lord didn't need help, you understand, like Brother Ronald said. But they were uh, contributing to the fulfillment of prophecy on him dying the one day out of the year that it was prophesied that the Passover lamb would die. So here he is our Passover, and it's the 14th day of Nisan, a Hebrew month, a Jewish month, and they put him to death on that very same day. So you can see the heathen raging, right? Uh, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You know, they were risen up against the Lord and against his Christ, his anointed, his Messiah. So they've risen up against him, and in their rage and their anger, they have missed the fact that you are killing them on the exact day in which the Passover is supposed to be sacrificed. You would think that in their calculating anger, they would say, no, no, let's not kill him on this day. <laughs> this would be the only day we would not want to kill him because then his followers would say, you see, there you go. He is the Passover sacrifice. You would think in their calculating anger, they would say, no, 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 not on this day. But in their anger, they were blinded by anger. And we have to watch that too, don't we? We can be blinded by anger. We can hate a brother or sister without a cause. And the Bible says, Jesus himself said, that's murder, to hate a brother without a cause, to hate a neighbor without a cause. So here he's been, uh, here he's prophesied, and Jesus was the fulfillment of that prophecy about the Passover lamb being sacrificed on the 14th day of Nisan, a lamb without blemish. And now you notice that when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he didn't say, behold, the lion of God. He didn't say the sacrifice of God. He didn't, there's a lot of things that he could have said. He didn't say the Son of God. He didn't say the Messiah of God, the anointed of God. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Why did he say the Lamb of God? And that's because he's pointing back to Exodus chapter 12, a lamb without spot and without blemish. Well, a point that I want to take you to here as a uh, trampoline to jump into something in the New Testament in verse 10, I'm going to jump in the middle of a thought here, but it says, And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it. I want you to pay attention here to how he tells them to eat the Passover lamb. Look at how he tells them in great description, this is how you are to eat the Passover lamb. Sometimes when you have small children, you may tell them, Okay, we've got a special dinner coming up, or it's Thanksgiving. Uh, no, we don't want you to come to the Thanksgiving Day table in cut-off shorts and, you know, some, some ratty T-shirt. Uh, we've got family coming over. People are coming over for this nice meal. You need to dress respectfully. You need to dress nicely. Uh, we were at a wedding yesterday. People dress nicely. They dress respectfully. Uh, it's supposed to be that way with worship today, isn't it? Unfortunately, that standard has gone way down in our generation. I'm thankful to look at a congregation that has dressed respectfully. 
uh, for the worship of God. And I believe that's what God would have us to do is to dress respectfully. Uh, in a sense, we've come for a wedding feast because it's the union of the Lord and his bride. In a sense, we've come for a funeral because it's the uh, recognition of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in a sense, we've come to present ourselves before the king. All three of those are reasons why we should dress respectfully when we come into the house of God. I'm thankful for your good example on that. Well, the Lord here, he told them a bit of specifics on how they were to adorn themselves, how were they to dress, how they were to be ready when they ate this meal. And I'd like for you to look at that with me, please. Verse 11, and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So he says, he gave them some specifics, didn't he? He said, your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and eat it in haste. That means quickly. Well, why would he tell them to have your loins girded, shoes on your feet, and a staff in your hand while you eat? What I take from this is, and he's sending them out of Egypt, right? He's saying, you're going to sacrifice the Passover lamb, you're going to eat this. Meanwhile, Pharaoh... His son, all the firstborn of all of Israel are going to die this night. The death angel will pass. And by the way, he says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And Jesus Christ is our Passover. When that final judgment comes of all things and God gives a declaration, it's going to be the same way. When he sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, upon you, he'll pass over you in that judgment. He'll pass over all of his people just as he did that night. He'll pass over them in judgment because you're covered with the blood of the lamb. Right, And that's shouting ground for the child of God to say, I deserve it every bit as much as the goats do, but by God's grace, I'm one of his sheep, and he will pass over me in judgment because his blood has been applied to me, not because of works of righteousness, which I've done, but by his grace. So he tells them, you be girded on with your loins, girded, shoes on your feet, staff in your hand. You're eating it hastily, quickly, because it's time to get out of here. It's time to get out of Egypt. And I've got a better land waiting for you. Well, when a child of God has had the blood applied to them in a vital way, in the new birth, where it's as if the Lord has applied the blood upon them, now, they've been covered in a sense before the foundation of the world because it was just as good as done before the world was ever made that the Lord Jesus would die that his blood would be shed, that he would born each and every one of his children again, and then one day he'll bring them home. But in a vital way, it's as if the blood has been applied to a person when they've been born again. And I think there's a great similarity to the Passover feast where he says, you eat it in haste because we've got some place to go. You know, when every child of God, and I know you've heard this preached many times, but every child of God from conception to death will be born again at some point in their life. And when that child of God has been born again, they are fit and ready for heaven. It's as if the Lord has said, you're born again, now we've got some place to go. So I want to turn, with that thought process, I want to turn your attention to one of my favorite characters of the New Testament in Luke chapter 2, and that is a man named Simeon. I love the story of Simeon. It's just a few verses. Not much is said about this Simeon in the Bible. There's other Simeons. 
But there's not a whole lot said about him. But I want to turn your attention to verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this was unique about Simeon. It was a unique providential message from God where God had told him, whether it was an audible voice, whether it was in a dream, whether it was just a still small voice speaking truth to him, I can't tell you the answer to that question. But here Simeon has been, it's been revealed to him by God, you will not taste death until you have seen with your visible eyes the Lord's anointed. Until the Messiah has been born and you see him body to body, eyes to eyes, until you see him in the flesh, you're not going to die, Simeon. Well, in a type and shadow, I want to tell you that that's true of every child of God in a manner of speaking. Because no child of God will die physically until they have seen the Lord in the new birth. Until they have been regenerated. And by seeing the Lord, I mean coming to the Lord in the way he means when he says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And whomsoever cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You see, it's in a... Um, in a figure, until we see the Lord in the new birth, until we know the Lord in the new birth, the child of God will not die. Now, it's not normal, it's not normal for a child of God to be born again on their deathbed, but it happens. It happened to the thief on the cross, and I believe that it's God's pattern that typically his children are born again at a younger age, because as we've already said, we are to the praise of the glory of his grace, that's in heaven, but that's here also. And the Lord has borne his people again so that we will be the salt of the earth, so that we'll be the light of the earth, so that we'll be a sweet-smelling savor of this earth unto God in heaven. It is God's will for his children to be born again and to serve him in this life. And it is not a death wish to say, well, now that I'm born again, I've got to go to heaven, going to go to heaven, want to go to heaven. The Lord's desire for his people is for us to serve him for as long as we have opportunity in this world to serve God in, in, uh, with zeal and with enthusiasm and with joy and with conviction of our sins. God's desire for his people is to be born again and to serve him in this life for a while. But Simeon here, and he's already born again, you understand, so I'm talking about this in a figure. But in a figure here, it's a type of every single child of God. You are Simeon because you will not taste of death. And I trust I'm looking at a room full of people already born again. But a child of God will not taste of death until they have seen the Lord, until they have known the Lord, been born again by the Lord. But I want to look at something in Simeon's life that I would say is not predestinated but was providentially moved. We saw a man on the way to church here. We had a long drive this morning. And uh, I told Brother Ronald, we, we got to church earlier than we normally do. And we had a four-hour drive. That's kind of how our family does things, I'm afraid. But we, on the drive here, kids are probably not surprised to hear me bring this up. But there was a man that, um, a truck passed us, or we passed him. And, and it said, um, he foreknew, predestinated, called, 
justified and glorified me. And I was like, wow, I like the way this fellow thinks. You don't see that type of stuff on back windows of, of trucks very often. And we did something a little bit out of character for our family, and I got Sister Donna to write on a piece of paper, follow us to church. <laughs> and he, he, she put it up on the window. We got up side by side so that he would notice us and had the window there. He kind of signed like, yeah, I'm going to church. I'm like, well, okay. So we tried to invite somebody to come with us this morning. Um, that was not in Sister Donna's character. It was in my character to, to try to do that. But I uh, thought, you know, if he's putting that, some of those verses up, he'd probably like to come to an old Baptist church if he's not already one. He took the same exit as us. I thought, man, maybe he's a member here. <laughs> but he's not here. He's not here today. But um, So if the visiting uh, uh, brother of like faith and work invites somebody to go to church, y'all can too, right? So we tried to. We tried to invite somebody to come to church, but the Lord's providence was not in that. But many times people will, uh, will confuse predestination of the people of God to heaven someday, and they'll confuse that with God predestinating every act that ever takes place. And that's just wrong, right? God did not absolutely predestinate everything that would ever happen. God predestinated people, determined their destiny beforehand, that they would be with him in heaven one day, but he did not predestinate everything that would happen in between. God does providentially move in our lives more times than we recognize. Like Brother Ronald already talked about this morning with the ass, the full of an ass, the Lord providentially moved in that situation. And I don't believe he predestinated that before the foundation of the earth, but he providentially moved so that they would find the right man who happened to be carrying a pitcher of water. Uh, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He sent them at the right time so that they would be at the right place at the right time so they would see the man carrying the pitcher of water. And the Lord worked in this at the right time so he would know where the man was heading and so that this particular man would know where the room was that was already prepared. You see, there's so many intricacies that you and I couldn't plan for this, but God in his providence providentially moved that day for just the right moment and just the right time so that they would find the right animal. I'm sorry I confused my stories. Forgive me. I went to the Passover feast. Excuse me. But both of those are true, right? Where the Lord providentially moved in both stories with the ass, the full of an ass, and with the upper room prepared for the Passover. The Lord moved in both of those. Forgive me for that. So that same thing happens with Simeon. Now, we need lessons in patience all the time, don't we? Sometimes we need lessons in patience, and I have to raise my hand on this one, waiting for the right person to come along for us to marry. Uh, that was far too long for my liking before Sister Donna came along in life. Uh, but we need lessons in patience. Some people have to have some lessons in patience on when a child comes along, uh, when a certain situation in life will happen. There's lots and lots of things that we get antsy for, but the Lord's answer is wait. Wait. Now, we've been in central Arkansas for about four years. About five or so years ago, we were at Old School Primitive Baptist Church in the Fort Worth area. Brother Ronald was there. Brother Ronald got in the pulpit, and when he took his text for the day, I hung my head because I knew this one's right at me. The church in North Little Rock had called me to pastor them. I didn't know what to do. I was in anguish over that. 
didn't know what to tell them, didn't know what answer to give. And I felt like I've got to have an answer. Lord, I've got to give them an answer. This has gone too long. Lord, I've got to have an answer. I've got to tell them what the answer is, whether it's yes or no. Brother Ronald took for his text that day, be still and know that I am God. <sighs> and I just hung my head knowing this one's right at me. Whatever timeline I think the answer is on when an answer needs to happen, that's not God's timing. And God is providential in the affairs of men's lives every day of their lives. God is an active God in your life today, and he'll be an active God in your life tomorrow, and he'll be an active God when you breathe out your last. And he was an active, providential God in the life of Simeon today, on this day. And verse 27 says, And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said. So he takes baby Jesus in his hands, in his arms, and he holds him up. Now I'm not going to go through uh, all that what he says. That's not my, my point today. But uh, you have to love the first, you have to love what he says, and especially the first part where he says, Now, Lord, let us, let us now thy servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. And that's so beautiful. But I want you to look at the events that had to happen in, in, in uh, Simeon's life for this to happen. Now, what could Simeon's process have been in life when he says, when God told him, Simeon, you're not going to die until you've seen the Lord's Christ. Now, Simeon could have gone through life <laughs> blindfolded, <laughs> not looking. I don't want to see him. I want to live forever. I want to live a long time. I want to live to see my great-great-great-great-grandchildren born or whatever. Um, and he might have just walked through not looking. I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to go out in the woods. I'm going to hide myself so that it's going to be less likely for me to ever see him. Well, the Lord can overcome that, can't he? Simeon also could have said, I'm ready to go to heaven now. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> kind of like I was waiting for Sister Donna, right? Where is Could she be here? Could she be here? <laughs> Right? I, I'm ready, I'm ready, now's the time, now's the time, I'm ready to go. Where is the Lord's Christ? You see, he could have been overactive and trying to speed God along and say, I, I'm ready to go now, Let, let's go, Lord. But God moved providentially in Simeon's life for him to be in the temple on the exact day that the baby Jesus would be brought in there, at the exact time that he needed to be, and no matter whether Simeon was trying to hasten this or delay it in his life, we don't know, and it doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter with you and me and our lives either. God's timing is always the right timing. And Simeon, by God's providential care, was in the temple on the very day that he needed to be there in order to see the fulfillment of what God had told him. And here he gets to hold the baby Jesus now, Scripture does not tell us how long it was after that before Simeon breathed out his last and he went home. But how about this? Simeon holding the baby Jesus in his arms. And in a short moment of time after that, he saw his maker face to face. That's a pretty good combination, isn't it? And aren't you thankful that we serve a God who providentially moves in our lives 
and oftentimes overrules our sins and mistakes and failures and errors just to say, now's the time. And then we feel the Lord saying, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Have you had those moments in your life? I know I sure have. And we say, why didn't I just trust the Lord's providential care all along and know that his timing is always the best timing. His ways are higher than the heavens are from the earth from mine. So why don't I just wait upon the Lord? Why don't I just be still and know that he is God and he will always work in our lives. And our job is to be obedient, to be faithful, and to wait, I say, upon the Lord. May God richly bless you and be praying for